0: What's up, good people in podcast land? Welcome to Convene. I'm your host, Chris Penrose. Convene is a conversation series with a narrative art. Since 2017, we have brought the creative community in Toronto together to dive into topics ranging from creative direction and visual storytelling to contracts, pricing your work and space to create. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the audio from those conversations. Just a heads up, when people get passionate about sharing knowledge, sometimes they throw some explicit language in there. So there's some of that in this episode. Enjoy. Convene when your brand is your aspiration, touched on an idea that is inescapable. Talk about branding is everywhere, whether it's about running a business or how you represent yourself in the world. At the heart of the brands that last and have impact is the idea of aspiration. This conversation featured Talia Masidu, who's done amazing work in the music industry and is now with the creative agency somewhere else. Gloria Sheik of Rogue Stories in the Flight Pack and a photographer with such a brilliant eye, Kadeem Ellis, who all spoke on how to align your brand with your aspiration and the pitfalls to watch out for along the journey. This conversation took place inside of Free space in partnership with the Creator Class. The word brand is ambiguous, it's confusing, it's everything and nothing at the same time. I want to go to each of you just to start the foundation of this conversation. Um, what is the word brand to you? Gloria, you want to start?
1: Um, the, br- the word brand to me is really about storytelling, and I think that kind of is emphasized in all the work that I Aspire to be doing. Um, it's about creating a story and a narrative that actually adds a layer of that emotional connection to a product or a story or a you know, namesake. Um, so it's really about storytelling. Um
0: Kadeen? Yeah.
2: To piggyback off of that, I do feel like yeah, the storytelling, and I think it's also um, what people can identify with, like like what they initially identify with your brand. So whether that be like something, a smell, a touch, a taste. Um, a color, Um, it just has to speak to the senses of the people. Um, Yeah, like storytelling, able to speak to the senses, um, and just immediately like what, like if you say Talia or Kadeem or Gloria, the first thing that comes to your mind, like that's a part of your brand.
3: I would echo that. Both yeah. of you really uh, captured it. I would say there's also, it's important to remember that there's both invisible and visible aspects to your brand. So it's not only what you're putting out there that's tangible, but also what people are ultimately saying about you due to your relationships and exchanges.
0: And I know sometimes you talk about it like what people say when you're not in the room.
3: Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, Definitely.
0: so that's interesting. So storytelling, sensory, what people say about you when you're not there I never thought of the sensory element to be honest but it makes sense when you say it Um, another question I have is around the fact that we are all for the most part our own personal brand and with the rise of people looking at themselves as their own personal brand and kind of um, representing themselves in that way what excites you about that reality that we're in now and what concerns you about that reality? Um, Kandim, do you want to jump in on that?
2: Yeah, uh, for sure. So what I find um, exciting about being your own personal brand is to see your reach. Uh, I'll just speak on the context of myself. Um, In life, I grew up just kind of doing my own thing. Uh, I guess you can call it a loner, but just, just pretty much doing my own thing. And I find with photography, It was interesting to see who I can reach, whether it be outside of my actual circle, if it's someone from outside the city, just by being myself. So that becomes exciting because you find that, you know what, someone else shares your opinion on something or they share your insight on something. It's almost like you're building your tribe or your kin.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it's like finding your tribe. You're finding your tribe.
2: So that I do find exciting because you, in a sense, you feel like, yo, I'm not alone in this, in whatever it is that you're doing. Um... What concerns me about it? The only thing that I would say that would be concerning about it with your personal brand is potentially the boxes that people may put you in. Mm -hmm. Um, Off of your own personal brand, like, they may associate Kadeem Ellis with an, an aesthetic. And that just may be what I actually, that's just like the... The final product that you get so it just maybe a clean photo but that is not Kadeem you know I'm multi-dimensional
0: you're saying like your room is not as clean as your photos
2: yeah no no my room is clean <laughs> my, my, my room is clean my room is clean it's, it's very together but like me as a person I'm still figuring it out so like who I am today like I may change five minutes from now and like, that's, just, that's just the truth of it. Something may, Talia may say something, Glory may say something that sparks something, and I'm like, yo, all right, maybe this may be like a route that I want to take or I want to explore. So I guess that would be the only thing that concerns me about that, but
0: yeah. Um, Talia, what do you think you're excited about? What are you excited about the fact that people are taking on themselves as personal brands, and what concerns you about that?
3: I'm excited about the accessibility. I think that it's, you know, before digital landscapes became as robust as they are, it was really hard to represent yourself. It cost money, um you needed input, you needed research from you know somebody higher up. you know it was it was very limiting. Um, being able to project your personal brand through digital mediums is powerful, and it's it's really like with enough research and time and collaboration, anyone can do it. And I like that. And I, I think that I like that the most when I'm collaborating with young creatives and young artists who are able to get their message across um, before they necessarily have a chance to access resources that are going to amplify it.
0: Um, you said something about anyone can do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I mean, I think a lot of people look at really clean, really strong brands mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they're sharing things that Don't get the type of audience and interest. Like, do you really? Why do you say that anyone can do it? Especially to the person who's looking at, like, uh, you know, brands that they feel are way out of their reach being on that level.
3: Well, I want to differentiate it. It's not that everyone can do it, I'm saying anyone has the ability to do it with enough research and insights and things like that. I I do see a lot of misses when people think that they're doing their personal branding effectively and they use these spaces or they just copy someone else's formula or whatever and that's always a miss and it's it can be very short-lived. So I that's one thing I would say to differentiate. And that. your concern with this? My concern is um I have a lot of concerns.
0: You, well, yeah. we'll, we'll get to a few of them, but
3: <laughs> I is there is there
0: like the, the first one that comes to mind? Uh,
3: probably the first one that comes to mind uh, is that it just it's it can become toxic and limiting really quickly, and I think that you have to have a very strong personality and build your own self confidence before you try to exist extensively in a digital space because otherwise you start to read yourself the way your audience reads you versus who you actually are and what your impact actually is and understanding that it's not this numbers thing. Um, I mean, it is a numbers game to a degree. I'm not going to deny that, but it's, it's, that's probably my biggest fear is that people lose sight of reality a little bit. It's
0: interesting because there's a, I remember um, years ago I did an interview with Shaq Claire and he was at a point where he was just getting really frustrated with um, people thinking that Jacques Claire and Kareem the, and Kareem being his birth name, the same person. Mm-hmm. He's like this is a persona but he felt like really locked into it and at the time people weren't experiencing that much as much if you weren't an artist on a yeah. platform.
3: For sure, for sure it's, and that's the thing that you can do with social media now is you can be really multidimensional if you do it right but you also, I think you need to set up your boundaries before you go into the space.
0: For sure. Um, Gloria What what excites you about this age around personal branding and what concerns you?
1: Um, I think the thing that's been ringing in my mind for the last few weeks has just been being able to earn money or income or value for being yourself and I think that's kind of an exciting part of it is um, you're being celebrated for your skill set or your mindset and um, your point of view on the world and I think the scary part of it is also your hyper you know judge like there's a lot of judgment whether it's internal or external. Um, and, you know, everyone has their own perception of, you know, you're taking this type of photo and so that's your type of view, but that's really just, it's very fluid, right? In terms of how people are judging you. Um, so I think we, and maybe we'll get to this after, but it's just about the idea of perfection and constantly having to strive for that and feeling like it's, it's that inner perfection that you're going to share with other people or that you think that other people's interpretation of perfection is what you're putting out there. so.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, we definitely are going to go into that. I don't, after speaking with each of you, um, having a conversation about branding and not talking about perfection just seems like, you know, missing a really important thing. Um, I did want to ask you a question in terms of your process. So you do talk a lot about storytelling and a beginning, middle, and end, and you're constantly thinking about that. Can you give some examples for people to, um, that they could look at if they're, thinking about their own brand, and how to position a story, or how to think about how you're sharing your brand with a beginning, a middle, and an end.
1: Um, I think it's important to realize that there's those different sections, because a lot of it is about pacing, and it's about a brand isn't really necessarily created overnight, and there's a lot of evolution within brand building and creating a storyline for your brand. Um, and even as an individual, cre- like being able to share a storyline from the beginning of my journey to a middle to an end. So, I guess from my personal example of building a product. So I created something called the Fight Pack, and um, recognizing that I'm still in the beginning stages of starting to formulate you know, what does that look like, what does it mean to people, what does the product look like, and then you know maturing into a stage where maybe more it reaches more individuals, or maybe more people are using it, or other people are giving me feedback and that kind of reaches a middle sort of section. And then you know, maybe there is no end for a long time or maybe eventually there's going to be something where the end of that is the evolution of it into another product. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that there's a pacing to it and we don't always have to rush to the end of what that experience is going to be.
0: That's really interesting because I think of it as well as like you can have a beginning and middle and end, but then there's like beginning, middle and end within the beginning and a beginning, middle, and end, within um, the middle as you're as you're describing it. Um, Talia, I know with your process, one of the things that stands out so much to me is how much thought and how much awareness you have about how things will be received and how things will be landing. Like I think a lot of times we're like, this is what I want it to look like, or this is what I wanna create, this is what I wanna do, and we'll see how people receive it versus like a lot of thought to, in advance to how it would be received. Like where does that approach come from? And you can talk about can you talk a little bit about why it is that you put so much energy into that forethought?
3: Um I think I think it's a few different things. I think mostly I just I I understand that people are easily bored and the landscape is full of people doing great things and full of people doing things they think are great, but ultimately, everything i do i I really want to be impactful in multiple ways and hit different pillars. so what might come across as like you know whether it's in music or whether it's like a, a different kind of consumer brand, whatever it is, um, people want to see themselves reflected in it, and sometimes that doesn't translate to sales or adaptation, but it definitely creates a connection. And that just comes from truth. So I try to step back and see, like, what is the landscape like? What is the world like right now? How are people feeling when they read stuff? How am I feeling when I read stuff? Um, and more than anything, before I make a plan, I do a lot of research. And I do research over time, so I think that that's it's also remembering that it's it's evolving, and and people are going to change too. And what you do right now may not land in six months. So how do you make sure it's at least a little bit evergreen?
0: So, to somebody who hasn't taken that approach before, mm-hmm. and re- especially having that, I think it's like uh, you know empathy-driven design in a For sense sure. where you're thinking like, this per- who, how are people going to receive this versus how good is this, or how great is this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any kind of takeaways for people on how they could begin to think through something that they're going to share, or something they're going to do, or something they're going to produce, um, and having that thought about how other people will see themselves reflected in it?
3: Definitely. It's, again, it goes back to the research thing. Empathy comes from understanding people's experiences, and hearing about it, and stepping outside yourself. So. I would probably advise people to step outside of their bubble, like their immediate surroundings. Um, you know, definitely run your ideas by your boyfriend, but run it by somebody who's not at all biased towards you and, and your greatness or whatever, you know, run it by somebody whose experience you completely you don't relate to at all. And ultimately having curiosity drive all of that will will get you those kinds of answers.
0: Would you say each of you have somebody that you can go to who's like doesn't care about you know, hurting your feelings or who you think you are, or how great you think this thing is, like, is that essential to each of you? Yeah. 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 For sure. To so get that me. person. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, or tell someone who cares about you to, to try and differentiate and, you know, express something honestly without being afraid of hurting your feelings.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important because it, you can't, I don't really believe that a lot of great brands, products, art um, experiences are ever achieve without someone who edits it, produces mm-hmm. it, cuts it down, sharpens that focus. Um, the idea can come from one person, but the execution, I always feel like, is better when there's someone else like critiquing it. Um, a big part of how we experience brands, whether it's um, a business, a product, or a person, is through images. And Khadim, I wanted to ask you, as a photographer, how do you approach working with someone else's brand, um, when you know, your style, yes, is very strong and clear. But you're also um, working with someone else who's trying to communicate a story that's not yours. It's their story. Um, how do you approach that? Um,
2: well, my approach with that would be, like, say, for example, I'm doing branding for you or Gloria or Talia. Or any of you guys. Like, there's some artists here in the audience right now. So, say I'm doing branding for TG or like Vanessa, I got to know. I know I called you out, but hey, <laughs> I gotta know. I gotta know. A, Cause I, her
3: hair looks fly today. I gotta I know, just know who. Need to
2: say that. Yeah, I gotta know. Um, <laughs> my approach would be one. I gotta know who they are. I gotta know what they stand for. I gotta know what message it is that they're trying to convey, and cause that's number one to see if I'm if I'm even the right person to convey it. And then. Um, it's all about, and also understanding where they're from, understanding like who they want to speak to, who their audience may be, and if I can even speak that language to like per to to be able to make it make sense. Um, that's the only way that I feel like I can authentically do the job or be of service to them. So that's my approach. I with anyone I work with, I gotta get, I gotta get somewhat close to them in, in some respect so that way it's it's real it's um, um, presenting the message the way how it needs to be presented um, that's always my approach very personal very very personal um, yeah
0: what would you advise somebody who is not a photographer but is looking to work with a photographer to represent their brand in terms of how much expectation they could have or I guess it may be a standard of Saying like, how are you gonna shoot me if you're not getting to know me? Like, have you seen my stuff? Have you listened to what I make? Have you, you know, do you know me? How would you advise people on and handling that when they are gonna choose a photographer to work with?
2: Um,
0: well, it it depends. Like,
2: is 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 kind of the same? If they're going, if they're, I want to make sure I'm understanding you right. So, if someone's gonna outsource like a photographer to. To convey well, I'm saying,
0: like, not everybody, not every photographer yeah. is going to really try to get to know the person, know oh, what they're trying okay, to okay. do. Um, and they might just show up that day and just shoot as they shoot and not really be looking for that person's story. Um, what, what would your advice be on how to um, select photographers or work with photographers to ensure that you get that level of work from them? I think it depends on what
2: you want. From that photographer like if you are trying to reach out to a photographer to work with them and they're not really giving you it depends it depends every person's situational so if it if they're giving you if they're not really giving you that in-depth like I want to get to know you like vibe that you want then that may not be the photographer for you mm-hmm. or sometimes you can just bite the bullet and just be like you know what if I really like their aesthetic it's all good I'll just get nice shots out of it Mm-hmm. And it's just really what you're willing to compromise and what
0: you're willing to work with. I, I feel like you were both like nodding a lot. In that, do you have thoughts about well, w- working I've, with photographers? I, well, I
2: well I'll, speaking on myself, I have worked with people where they never really understood me or how my process is. They just wanted the final product, mm-hmm. and we we've done it it's we did the shot like it was what it was and the product was put out there but the full experience wasn't there but so just all up to them and what they're
0: what they want and what they're satisfied with talia gloria any thoughts on
3: that? yeah i think i mean as somebody who's had to hire photographers and not always i don't always have that kind of the luxury of the time to i would love to create that connection between you know the subject and the photographer but that's often not the case, often they are meeting the day of the shoot, happens for like video shoots too. They might meet the director the day of the shoot. It's not ideal, but it happens. And I think that it comes down to whoever's in the middle or whatever the communications are leading up to that day, that you kind of know what the key things you're looking for are in that day, um, and that you pull out the little personality tidbits and let the photographer know, like, hey, you know, so-and-so's a little bit shy. These are the things that help them warm up. And this is a, fo- a photograph of yours that they really loved. So this kind of energy would work. And it's it comes down to communication, yeah. in my opinion. That was, the,
0: that was the word that was popping out of my head. Yeah. If you can't have the luxury of. Working with Kadeem,
1: For make sure. sure you communicate. Yeah, um, Gloria, sure. any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you're kind of the common theme, right? So the messaging it really derives from who you are and what the brand is, from your interpretation of it. And obviously, when you're working with a number of different people, they have their own little flares. But if there, it can be as macro as these are the types of elements that I want to include in the shoot, or um, it could be as micro as okay, well, these are the types of tones and maybe like some inspo. Of, How that
0: would contribute to the end product. Mm -hmm. Indeed. um, I wanted to jump into something a little outside of photography, which is a lot of times this is really focused on people's personal brand. Um, Because there's really like muddy waters and unclear lines between your professional presence, your personal presence, and Talia, we've talked a bit about rawness and. You know, some people are really raw, really out there. Some people f- uh, represent themselves in one way professionally, and then their their social presence or their brand is completely different. How do you have that conversation with people, and also how do you advise people mm-hmm. and figure out, like, on the scale, how raw they can be? Because that works for some people, for sure. but it can undermine other people.
3: For sure. More than anything, um, I think the first thing I would normally say to someone in that situation is like, because uh, often the first thing I hear is like, oh, I love so and so's Instagram, or I love what so and so's doing on, on Twitter, or how they are, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody loves Rihanna, you know? And I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, survey your landscape and tell me if you were acting like that, how would that land with your audience? Who's listening to you right now? Because you actually need to adapt a little bit, you need to grow into your audience just as much. And um, yeah, it just comes back to that—that that really hard moment of research that I, I think a lot of people tend to skip over, um, and then understanding that there is duality there. You know, you—I I very often like, well, I'll have someone come to me for mentorship, and I—I'll look at you know their work or their portfolio, and I'm like, this is incredible, and then I go read their Twitter account, and I'm like are you constantly drunk like what am i reading here and it's just <laughs> like it's that's how it reads and i'm just like that's such a miss because you're phenomenal and then this this the one two three representations you have of yourself in the digital digital landscape somebody could completely skip over you and misread you and they have to align and you almost have to look at it as a version of your own of your website like your social media. Look at your social media. Look at your Instagram account. Um, and like personally, I've actually somehow managed to get by without a website because my Instagram has always been on point and really like diverse content-wise. So I'll, if I'm looking for a job or in the past when I've been freelancing, I've been like, you can kind of see what I've been doing here. So making the connection and making sure that it lands effectively. Um, and I mean, that's just me. Some people do get to be really raw. And but again. What is the boundary? What does that look like? Look at your audience. Look at the audience you want to gain and see how they're reacting.
0: And so how you would advise someone on how much they share, or how raw, or like how many lines they cross, it, it's, is it largely around thinking about audience? For sure. And are, are, are there other key questions you can share yeah. that you ask somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, to really, ass- like, how do you assess that? Because I mean, I don't, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. How, it's, how- it's hard
3: to step out of the moment. You have yeah. to think about longevity. You have to think like, OK, this is a cool comment to make in this moment. But five years from now, am I going to read this and be like, that was impactful? Yeah. Or is it just going to be funny in this sense? And unless your brand is, I'm going to be funny in this moment and then move on to the next, it doesn't work. So I, I do often remind people, like, longevity you may not be this person at 30. You may, And, and it's not ever going to go away if you put it out there. That's the reality. Even if you wipe your socials, it's still there. Somebody somewhere has a receipt. And we have seen that play out. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so
0: especially if you're running for office.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I have so many comments I could make. I'm not going to be shady today. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. It is what it is, and you can't uh, you can't forget what's going on in the world, and you can't forget that everything you do in a digital landscape is also landing in a socio-political sphere. So, where do you want to lie on all those spectrums? And it sounds complicated, but it's actually really simple. You just need to look again at how your audience is reacting to the people you look up to.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good takeaway, um, Laura. You said something to me that has really stuck with me, which was around you said perfect is boring. Like people aren't interested in perfect, perfect is boring. And then I was thinking of that, you know, Kendrick line about stretch marks and um, you know, that resonated with people so much because it was like, yeah, you know, like there is this Photoshop filter on people's lives that um, deny like what makes us raw, real and human. Yet the other side of it is, you know, People don't want to put out something that's not clean. They want, don't want to put, so like, my wife, she's constantly like, don't take a picture in our house like that side because I don't want people to see like laundry on the ground. Like, you know what I mean? It has to be like, there is that consciousness as well. How do you approach that line between not being boring and too perfect and not being like unprofessional and sloppy um, or overly vulnerable?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think perfect is almost expected. You know, I think like they, we create these standards of what looks good, or maybe there's like certain trends that are really, you know, like I'm not gonna lie, some of these plants are really like they're really trendy, or they're like really things that photograph well, and it's something.
0: well, it photographs better on that yeah. side because this uh, side over here <laughs> needs some. Well,
1: <laughs> We should take a picture of this side because <laughs> I think that's unexpected. I think that's mm-hmm. what people, you know, and it's like adding that colorful commentary of you know, what your interpretation of what this side is going to look like. So, um, I think it's important before you post anything to have a little bit of a pause and kind of, you know, like to your point, just about something living there forever. But I also think that it's important not to over polish something because people can also tell, I think someone actually told me this once about aging. So I think a lot of. People, they try to prevent that process of aging. And you know there's some things that can optimize aging. But I think it really shows when you're trying a little bit too hard <laughs> to stay young, right? So. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like you don't want to look old, but you don't, also don't want to look like, why is that person who's old trying to look like they're not? You know yeah. what I mean? And instead of just embracing it and owning it. Um, it's, it's a difficult balance. Because I think what you said, too, is like um, that people expect perfect. There was this great quote I heard um, about cars, which is like, everybody thinks an uh, electric car is a great idea for somebody else, you know what I mean? It's like, yo, you should get an electric car. Oh, I'm not going to do that, because it's like $15,000 more than the gas car, you know what I mean? But um, I think similar, a lot of people, when it comes to this authenticity conversation, are like, oh, yeah, perfect is boring, and you don't want to just Photoshop everything to the extreme. and like." make your life look perfect. But then you also are like, oh, I don't like that photo. Oh, I don't like how I look there. Oh, I don't like that situation. I don't, you know, don't want to show people this. Or you know, I'll, I'll show people my way in, but I don't want to show people when I'm desperate or in despair. Um, you know, what's, what, what do you think about that? And that element that like, it's a great theory, but it's in an environment where people expect perfection. It's really risky to be real.
1: Well, I think, I mean, if, even if we are to use like a real life example of just even how we connected, I think when I posted something about, because um, I don't do as many like sponsored posts or anything like that anymore, um, but really just talking about like what was the origin of wanting to do that and just being a person from Scarborough that really wanted to create something out in the world that was beautiful or you know something that really spoke to who I was externally. And that's kind of even how we connected. So I think you never really know what opportunities are out there unless you actually. Not try to be you, but aren't afraid to be you and mm-hmm. sharing that.
0: That's well That was like a moment for me because I I realized that's true. Like so, that that story is. I was looking to um, firm up the panel because the initial idea came from a conversation with Talia, um, and I saw a post from Gloria where she was talking about like I think you talked about influencer as an influenza and just like being really tired of that digital chase and, and then you said Scarborough in it, so I'm like, yeah, Scarborough. Um, but it's true, like the this actual conversation came about by you sharing something that maybe in the past would have been like, oh, I don't think I should post that. That's not my brand. That's crazy. Um, talking about vulnerability, Kadeem, uh, one of the things you shared with me that I think was really interesting was that your goal with people is is trying to get them to a place where they can be very vulnerable with you and that the end product, they walk away like more confident and more sure of themselves. I thought that was something really beautiful. And um, I wanted to just kind of get from you a little bit about how you try to bring someone from that place of being really vulnerable to having something that makes them more confident. Because a lot of times, we don't connect The word vulnerable with the word confident
2: um i find sometimes we look at like the word vulnerable as weak and like you know but um i don't know like with my experience i've worked i've worked a lot with friends friends of mine or aspiring models or aspiring musicians people who are starting from the ground up and sometimes starting from the ground up you're not the most confident or you don't feel like you have everything together So it's not like I'm intentionally trying to pull them, like, hey, be vulnerable with me type of situation. It's just asking them questions and just having an honest conversation, trying to see where they're going in their life and be like, all right, yo, in me now, I may be looking at them like I may be looking at you right now, and I will see something in you that you may not see in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I look at it as my responsibility to now show you that side of yourself so you can look at yourself differently as you're out in the world. Because we all need that. Like, I need that sometimes too. Sometimes I don't see myself or see, you know, certain things that I may be doing. Like, I never went to school for photography. I never, like, studied this. There's a lot of terms I still don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So, with that, like, you may struggle with, like, imposter syndrome or feeling like you don't deserve to be here. So, you may be extra hard on yourself or down on yourself. So, I'm like, if someone can do that for me and be like, "Yo, kadeem, you do belong here," or you know, they can show me something that will trigger something in my mind to be like, "All right, yo, yeah, I do, I I am on the right path." I want to be able to give that same energy back to whoever I work with, and that just came just by that just came naturally just by me working with friends who some of them they just aspiring they never really would think yeah okay I can be a model or I can do this or that but I would look at them and be like yo I see something in you that can fit into the world of models that you have not seen yet so let me show you
0: that's such a treasure like that and I think it's a rare thing but you know when you do find people that do see more in you than you see in yourself like that's something to cherish. So I I think that's really amazing.
2: I feel yeah. I think we all should do that just as humans. Like as like like forget about like the creative like all those terms. Just on a human level, like if you see someone, if you can, if you know what it feels like to, not feel like you can reach something or be where you want to be, like I think it's our responsibility as humans to at least like you know, yo. You're, you're, you you're can do this, or you're doing good, or yo, like, you know, you're doing great, or I see this in you that you may have not seen in yourself. Because, like, we're all, that's the one thing that connects us all. Like, you know, it's not, like, we have, like, we're living in a society where everything is just so divided. It's all about race this, like, you know, like, blame this person, blame that person, blame this person, blame that person. But it's like when we all go to bed, like we all have the same feelings. Not everyone, but most people, you know what I mean, for yeah. the most part. Like we feel a lot of the same things. We feel despair. We feel happiness. Like we share that same human experience and
0: we, we are literally all that we got. Well, I think too, one of the things that is whether it's someone seeing something in you that you didn't see in yourself or seeing something in you that, you hope to be true. Yeah. And that person just like, you know, confirming that, you know, like you you want to do this thing or you're working on this thing or you see yourself doing this thing and someone else is like, I see you. And I, I feel like we could definitely use more of that in our city where it's like, you know, it's it's like it doesn't cost you anything. You're not losing something. I know I feel like sometimes people feel like maybe they're losing something to like, you know, Feel like a fan for a moment, you know, but like where we can do that and say, I see this thing in you. Like, Mm -hmm. I love this. Mm -hmm. This touched me. This moved Mm me. Like, I think that's a really powerful thing.
2: Yeah, Um, just breaking out of that cycle and just being brave enough to do that and not feel away if you still may not get the response that you may have wanted. It's just being genuine
0: in it and just doing it. You said a word that we didn't actually have in the plan, which is imposter syndrome. I feel like we should. We should talk a little bit about that. like, mm. Because I think it's so connected to, when you're talking about brand and aspiration, right? Like, mm. you know, one of the things I, I, photography's a part of every, my everyday life. Like, it's, I, every, you know, I looked at my, my iPhone has 39,000 photos in it. Like, What's really, I do What's
3: your memory? I don't,
0: I don't know, it was on sale
3: okay. at Rogers.
0: Just I just took the big one, they, it was an op, open box already. So oh. they were like, You can get this one for the price of this one. I'm like, cool, yeah. But for real, there's 39,000 photos in there. Um, But saying the word photographer, I'm like, Mm, straight up, I'm not comfortable with that at this point, you know? Um, And I just wanted to, you know, let's have some confession here. Like, imposter syndrome. You're staring
3: at me. I'm like, this is... Yeah. Because, like,
0: I'm like, there must... Yeah, yeah. But I can't imagine what it would be.
3: Imp- oh, yeah, where, ha, where
0: have you felt like imposter oh, syndrome? all the time,
3: all the time. It's like and in and every. And what, f- in
0: what ways, though? Like if we can kind of share that. A yeah,
3: for bit. sure. I think that it's and I mean this is a common thread. I've I've have a lot of conversations about imposter syndrome and I think that it's born out of. Um, I feel like I'm about to sneeze. I'm sorry. I'm having spring Allergy allergies. Allergy season. Um, <laughs> now it just feels weird. Um. I think that it's born out of comparison a lot of the time, and what we think is an understanding of what our experience should be and what someone else's experience. It's, it's assumptions, really, and we all do it. Um, I think I go through it every time I enter a new space that I've always wanted to be in. So, I mean, when I started working in fashion, I was just like, I don't deserve to be here. But when I start, you know, when I moved into the music industry, I was just like. I felt like I had scammed everybody, but the reality is I had worked my ass off, and I was hella like detailed about my research and my network and everything. And I had contributed to so many projects for free, and like been a part of so many important moments that were really like in, with really prolific people. But when I stepped into the space, and really it kind of felt like stepping into like a den of wolves or something. Like it was hard. It was a hard moment. Um, even though I had proven I could do it a million times and I could talk about how to do it, when I was standing there trying to do it and, you know, having, you know, these hard moments adjusting, I was just like, you know what? Like, I remember saying to my partner, I was like, should I just think about going back into PR? And she was like, are you, like, I think she just, we'd been through enough that she was like, no, it's not, we've come too far. We're not going back. Even
0: if you want to, I'm not letting you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, I definitely have had that moment where I'm like, it would just be easier not to be this ambitious, because then I wouldn't be comparing myself to people that I look up to, or that I'm next to, or whatever. Um, That's a very real thing. And it's. um, I found that the best thing to do in those moments is to admit it to somebody. Like, admit it to somebody that you trust. Like, I don't think I can do it. And I I had a really hard moment maybe, um, I want to say like two, three months ago, um, where I Ended up coming off a project because the exchange between me and the team wasn't going well, and I went straight f- from this meeting where I got this information to the basement of. My okay, Sorry. no, it's cool. It was very like it, it was. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I went and I sat in um, the. <laughs> That was funny.
0: It really did. It really
3: worked. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Of um, the shop that my partner runs with her and one of my best friends. And I honestly just like downed a lot of Jameson and I was like what the fuck am I doing here why am I doing this what is this for and the the first thing that and I was just like I really don't think this is the space I'm supposed to be in it's not made for me and they both were just like no yeah. but just k- saying it articulating it took it aw- took it out of my chest and out of my body and, and I am spiritual like that where I'm like remove the energy from your body um, and it, it helped a lot and they just both reminded me like this is you're literally always going to feel this especially as you ascend so run with it
0: Thanks to get it out of your own head. like sure. I always say, like, your the, your head and your heart are way smaller than the world. You For sure. That thing that feels so big inside, you put that out in the world, and it's like, it gives it perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what's the alternative? Like, I'm not going to pursue my ambition. I'm not going to pursue my passion. Yeah. I'm going to, like...
3: Yeah, I'm, they were both, like, stop that. Yeah. Yeah. So...
0: Um, when you were in New York, you know, being from Scarborough, now you're in New York, like, you probably watched like Puffy on TV and now you're like, you know, have his name on your business card. Um, did you experience that imposter syndrome and, and what was that like?
1: Yeah, I think imposter syndrome kind of follows you on an ongoing basis. And I think actually like vulnerability and shame are really tied together. And I think you kind of remove a lot of the shame when you're willing to be vulnerable and just kind of putting spotlight on to what your insecurities or whatever it is. And I think imposter syndrome for me is I always feel like it's linked to a milestone. I always feel like, oh, if I, you know, do this or get this, then I'm successful or whatever it is. But I think success is about like being open and also knowing that you're already doing it. Um, so like even when I ended up in that scenario of working, you know, for this person like a media profile or media, you know, like a prolific media personality, it all kind of happened with like momentum and by accident. So um, I guess the story of how I ended up there was that I was part of a startup here. It was a music startup, and um, it was interesting because, you know, first, you know, you realize you're in, like, a windowless boardroom in Richmond Hill, and you're not really sure. It's kind of like the funny little rituals of, okay, I'm going to go to work at 10 a.m. to this Richmond Hill office that has no windows, and I'm going to, like, turn on this fan and, like, open up this bridge that like, we got on Kijiji, and then suddenly you're doing... You know, obviously a lot of things happen in between, but um, suddenly you're doing experiences in New York for like Naughty by Nature for their like twentieth anniversary of Hip Hop Parade and then you just realize like you're already doing it. You're already mm-hmm. riding the momentum and you don't know where that's gonna take you. And you know, if you happen to feel like an imposter along the way, then you know, that is a very individual experience and journey of how you cope with that. But I think just being open and receptive and realizing that hey you can kind of commend yourself for like putting in the work and you know being mindful enough to think that, oh, do I do I really deserve to be here or do I feel like I have what it takes to be here? You're already doing it.
0: It's funny because um I mean one thing is that a lot of the people who you think should deserve to be there are experiencing that same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like I, I really think there's a, there's something a takeaway in and asking yourself, like, what's that milestone that you haven't achieved that you makes you feel like an imposter? Because even when I'm thinking about the photography example, I'm like, well, maybe if I knew what every setting in my camera actually did, mm-hmm. then I would feel like a photographer. Like, I don't know some of those things like um, that are in there, but you know, it's still. Like, yeah. Yeah. Still,
2: I still, yeah. I still
0: don't. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Yeah. Is, is that is that for you, like? Feel like being a photographer and having this work, but also feeling like comparing yourself to other photographers, or, or ima- your imagination about Absolutely. other photographers.
2: Absolutely, like even today, I was on set today um, um, for a photo shoot. I wasn't shooting; I was actually styling the shoot, and I was watching the photographer work. And he had all these contraptions and like all these things, like things hooked up to the laptop and like all these flashes. He just had a whole set. And I'm sitting back and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, yo, like, what is all this? You know? <laughs> Sincere. I'm like, what like what is all this? Like just the terms that he like that, that he's saying, that he's talking about. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's
0: like, especially. Like, when thank you're, God I'm styling today. Yeah, 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 you know,
2: and it's like, and and then worse off when they know you're a photographer too, like they speak to you as if like you know all this lingo sure. or you know all this stuff. And sometimes you're just like, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. weird. But then in your Constantly. mind, you're just like, yo, or you just go to your Google and you're like, what was that? Oh, yeah. What was it that they just said? Every
3: time I start like in a new company or new environment, I have the same story where like the first month of meetings, my I'm sitting around the table and my phone's under the, de- the table and I'm Googling what the hell everybody's actually yeah, yeah. talking about and you I'm know. like this is, that's that's why I feel like a scammer but that's
2: you know because <laughs> part and of then, it. you know and then sometimes if you feel like you don't know it's almost like that glare of like oh like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you're a fraud. Like you don't. Like you don't For know. For sure. Like you don't. You don't. You can't sit with us. Right, type right, right. of attitude. For and sure. Sometimes that could be made up. That could just be in your head. Like what you initially feel like. You may be ashamed of. Like shit. Like maybe I didn't do my due diligence, or maybe I, I should have went to school sure. to learn all this stuff so I can have sure. these you know photographer talks. But yeah, yeah. it's just well, it happens. There's still.
0: so much that pops in my mind from that because I mean one is um, one of the talks we did about what's your work worth. Um, the guys from Will Studios were talking about the fact that like, they didn't go to design school, they don't know mm-hmm. anything about like, the whole history of fashion on the level that a lot of people do and, um, and even in terms of some of the brands that their stuff sits next to but what gives them comfort is like, when you look at what they make and you set it beside what their competitor makes it's it stands sometimes with it, sometimes above it mm-hmm. um, and so it's like yeah we don't know all this stuff but what we're we're making, but the other thing is like sports analogy comes to mind, right? Where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe you're this player that got drafted and all these players are are talking about systems and plays and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, don't know any of that, Mm -hmm. but you can learn that part.
3: That's the thing You can't learn
0: the ability that you have. I got th- you there.
3: I think it can be a superpower. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean to yeah. interrupt uh, you. I just yeah, got yeah. excited. <laughs> I think that it can be a superpower, and I try to remind people that your imposter syndrome is, it's a emotion, and emotions are in place to signal something. And m- most likely, the signal that you should be receiving is just that, like you need to be open and willing and ready to learn and understand that you're not going to know everything. So the same way that I'm Googling all those words under the table and feeling away about myself, I'm also making notes. And then I'm at home on my couch that night, yeah. looking it up so that when I come in the next day, I don't feel that way ever again, you know? So I think it's important yeah, to harness that. That's the key. Yeah.
0: remember I went to actually a lighting sh- workshop here. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know how to turn on the lights. I didn't actually know how to plug in some of those lights. Um, but I, it was in, to your point, like, what made the workshop in the section that I was with work really well is I was asking so many questions. And even people who intuitively knew how to set all those things up, some of them, they're like, oh, I've never asked that question. Mm-hmm. Or I hadn't thought of, like, you know, so I think there is that, just to echo, um, asking the questions look. and doing the research and For like sure.
3: It's a good curious. look to appear curious and hungry mm-hmm. for information and for people to understand that you're looking to learn and grow rather than you're going to just... Because people can read it when you're pretending to know something yeah. that you don't know. So yeah, I like find directions, that it's... like Totally. To- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's I, I think it's better to just own it. Um, and maybe if you're not in a safe space to own it, then that's when you go home and you Google it and you, you make your notes and you come back. But if you are in a safe space or a productive space where you can own it and say like, hey, can someone tell me what that words mean? I constantly say, what does that mean? Okay, great, so ho- this is how I'm going to apply it. It's not a bad look.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to ask the question around brand pillars. And, and um, Tal, you have a lot to say to it, but I also wanted to you all both to chime in. Um, what are your brand pillars? And what are some of the questions you ask other people to help them figure out what their brand pillars are. Mm-hmm. And maybe before that, what are brand pillars? <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> yeah, Google it. Google it. There's a, I mean, there's a lot, of, I don't know that I'm gonna have the terminology right up, off the top well, of my your head. Take,
0: your take on brand pillars? My
3: take on brand pillars, okay, a pillar is um, part of the structure, it's what holds the structure up. So, what is holding up your structure, which is your brand, okay? So, for me personally, um, it's, you know, there is always a level of empathy. There's always a level of sociopolitical awareness. There's always um, feminism. There's always, um, like, I'm very, very adamant about. Productivity like it, it has to be a part of that and communications so all of those things it's kind It's basically like who are you? What are you doing? Where are you doing it? And What are you hoping to be? Impactful with like wh- who are you hoping to impact and what are you hoping to do and that's kind of like I guess a loose definition mm-hmm. so I think it's always really important to think about that because often people's understanding of a brand is just how it looks and not so much the output, and not so much the the long-term effects of it. So they're extremely important. They're the first things that you should think about. Um, you should look at other people's brand pillars, and even people who aren't you wouldn't consider competitors. Look at how they're articulating it.
0: And yours, your brand pillars. Yeah. Uh, no, what are yours? What
3: are? Oh, I thought yeah. I just said it and like f- oh
0: those yeah, oh, yeah. okay i thought yeah. you were just generally saying those things don't no. don't you say those are yours
3: no okay. i would definitely say that's it like it's it's a big part of what i do and really like a, i guess the two things i would say I, and i always say that is like my brand is to make really beautiful things um, and to bring up the next generation while making them so that's that's my function
0: and what's what is the um, power of having answers to those questions? Where you, especially those two things of like making really beautiful things, yeah, um, it, and bringing up the next generation. It
3: just helps you figure out what you're going to talk about. It it like so many times people go on Twitter and they're like, I don't know what to tweet. But if you know your brand pillars, if you know what your function is is you know about, then you have guidelines. It's it's your guidelines, and it also helps um, inform your boundaries.
0: Gloria your brand pillars and, and kind of how you came to those, have they changed as well over the years?
1: Yeah, um, so I think it's really tied to values as well. Um, mm. So for me, it's really about people daring to do and also like deciding to be different. And travel is kind of, you know, helping people see the world is really something that's really prevalent in everything that I want to do and aspire to do. and. Um, how did I, I guess they did change over time just based on the types of things that I was doing. So like having, you know, nine lives as a cat, you're kind of like, okay, I've done fashion or music or technology and now being in sort of like a lifestyle travel space. Um, Oops, that was your phone. Um, yeah, really focusing on helping people see the world. That's really what I want to aspire to do.
0: Um, wh- oh, can someone just, there's Drop a phone up. There, yeah. Oh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. It was a video and
0: then it slipped and that's an alarm that's set for another time zone.
3: But it has a lot of space on it.
1: (laughs) Right?
0: Yeah. 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 A lot of space. Thank you. Um part of your brand and pillars like is about being clean and I think the rawness with like this kind of loving energy as well. How did you get to that place? And or is there anything else you want to say about your brand pillars? But how did you get to the place where you had that clarity? Um,
2: to be honest, I've never thought about my brand pillars. But with the, with yeah with being clean or raw or like loving and connecting, that is how I came to that was just something that I've always wanted. Not that I never had it, but just something that I want for myself. And I'm like, if I know that I want this, I'm sure maybe someone else will, and just sharing that with them, um, it feels good. Like it honestly, it honestly feels good. It's a, it's a good feeling, and it's um, that's just how I like to um, live my life as a creator and just as a human, and that's yeah. Um, and like I was saying before, like that's 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 who I am today. I feel like that base will stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but my pillars can change. Um, they can change tomorrow. They can change by the end of this conversation. Um,
0: yeah, I uh, think that point is so important to hold to because I know one of the things we were talking about um, around the downside of a personal brand is like, oh, I'm not going to associate with this person or I'm not going to be seen here or there. I'm not going to do this thing because it's off-brand. And I'm like, like, you know, you're literally like, yeah control like letting this set of values or what you perceive other people perceive about you control like who you interact with and mm-hmm. what you're going to do For uh, sure. It's
3: crazy. But you should in some aspect. Like it's I think I actually like I was I tweeted about this today. I was mm-hmm. just like don't when I talk to young girls I'm always like don't date people who are off-brand for you. And it sounds really harsh. <laughs> break, but
0: that don't, break that like, down. Break that down. Because that does sound kind of like...
3: It, I know it sounds harsh and judgmental. It's not even that. But if you think about it, your brand is authenticity, right? It, it should be driven by authenticity, right? right. Who you are as a person. You just said, I don't know my brand pillars, but this is just who I am. That is you. That's yeah. that's what it is. So I think that you can apply that across the board in your life. And, and it can help you filter through some stuff that you... You probably know you don't want to do, but you do it anyway to test the waters. Then you look back and you're like, that was off-brand. And it's like, it's a funny thing to say to yourself, but it's also actually really, I find it very powerful in those moments when I'm trying to grow.
0: Anyone ever dated someone off-brand? Yes. (laughs) You know, like,
3: (laughs) I...
2: I, I, and I understand. I'm hearing like a little bit extra.
3: I I know that there's somebody that's like who
0: had a
2: revelation (laughs) tonight.
3: Sorry, guys. Not you. (laughs) Sorry, you're saying.
2: (laughs) I under, like, because I, I'm I'm trying to think about that, like, off-brand. Because it, I guess it depends. I guess it can depend on the person. Um, What may be off-brand sometimes can just be, can be a learning experience, mm-hmm. like that's that's what, like, because if I'm going to look at it in context of like situations that did not work out for me, like I guess I can say it was off brand, but I know a lot of it. I took away a lot of learning experience f- from it, so. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, it's not just, saying, it's just... I'm not
3: saying don't have the experience. I definitely yeah. think have all the experiences you can, but know yeah. what it is. Yeah. And then when you're getting to the point where you're like, I want to have a more serious um. I want my job to be more serious or I want my relationship to be more serious or I want to have really, really great friendships, you know, those that's where you need to come from is like, what is my value system? Right. And I need to align with people in places like that.
0: Well, and I, and I think how you define off brand, right, is I think the key, how you answer that question. Because like, off brand is like, I'm interested in a serious relationship and this person is just about like, you know, um, Tinder, right? versus. Like, oh, I'm not gonna date that person because, like, I don't really rock Converse. You know what you mean, and that person, yeah, that, that's, like,
1: yeah, that's no, not, and, and yeah, no, and not to say that you're saying
0: that, but I think like that's yeah. a really extreme example to say sure. like, um, yeah, off-brand. But like, how do you answer that question about what kind of experiences and what kind of relationships and what kind of um, things out there are off-brand for you? Is coming back to some of these questions where, like, these brand pillars being connected to values mm-hmm. and being connected to who you really are, um, because I think the danger sometimes is like literally people limiting their experiences because off-brand to them is oh that's this is cool, or so it's I a want look. to be seen it's as superficial. Yeah, yeah. I want it's to be seen that. as cool, and that right now doesn't fit into how I think about cool, mm-hmm. um, which which can be super limiting, right?
2: Because I find with that, it's like. Off-brand, in the sense of like, all right, the perception that people may have of me based off of my work, some of the people who I may hang out with may be off-brand, you know? And I feel like that's where it can kind of become limiting, and that's, that's probably the only, like, part where I'm just like, hmm, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I got to think about that. I uh, think sometimes I gotta, it
1: works yeah. though. <laughs> like isn't that what works? Like the surprise and the not perfection? Like if I hung out with a bunch of people that look like me or like dated a bunch of people that look like someone you'd expect, then
2: And sometimes it's just like, it's just not you don't you don't grow from it. You don't learn from it. There's nothing like I honestly I I would be bored if I was around a bunch of people like me. I would be like like what am I doing just around a bunch of clones? Like it doesn't make any sense. But I don't
3: think being on brand means you're just like me. Yeah. It's not okay. It's not that. I, I, I get what you're saying. That. No, I know. And well, I think yeah, the terminology it's might be like... Oh, it's no, it's too, so
0: important to have yeah. this conversation because I think yeah. like there is that, that... I think it gets interpreted in that way a For lot. For sure, constantly. But, you know, like on brand can be like, I'm aspiring to be the absolute best at what I can do. For sure. And I want to, you know... Be someone of integrity and someone who's not aspiring to be their best of whatever it is exactly might be the person that's not on brand so to speak
3: well like you're not it's it's for any system like i'm not i'm trying to evolve and be politicized and be effective in my feminism i can't be with or super tight with or roll through life or date somebody who isn't like somewhere on that vibration with me Mm. that's off brand right 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 And then what like, and that that's where I think that there's like that superficiality that we need to wipe away and just be like it's about the values more than anything
0: I, I, I think what's interesting about this is that you're adding a layer of um, thoughtfulness to something that can gets used in a very superficial way a lot yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, I wanted to jump into something about your story, Kandine. so one of the things you shared with me was how when you were in your teenage years and really starting to be more creative, um, you were experiencing like a lot of pressure to be someone you're not, and even like some rejection, isolation. And um, you, know, you were talking about how that's a big part of why you really try to create a judgment-free, no-judgment zone in, in what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about you know, the, how that experience of really awakening in your creative self um, is reflected in how you work with people and, and why that no judgment zone is so important for you? Um, all
2: right. Well, I say no judgment zone because one is like, all right, let me start from, from the beginning where you started. When I um, got more into my creative self or just into being creative, my interests started changing. Where I grew up, the type of person that I was evolving into wasn't necessarily the most acceptable. It's like we have like, there was like an idea of who I am because of me being a black man, me growing up in the hood. And it's like, you gotta be a certain type of way. You gotta dress a certain type of way. You gotta listen to a certain type of music. But as I was evolving and like growing as a photographer, just even just as a person, you know, just things start changing. You know, my music, my, I'm, I'm listening to different music my genes start to get a little bit tighter. I was exploring different things, you know? I was, like, mixing with the downtown crowd, mixing with different people, and just bringing in those experiences. And if, and unfortunately, when you're younger, and in a younger age, you're obviously a lot more ignorant. So because of that, and you may not have been exposed to other things outside of yourself, people may label you as things, or they may shun you, or isolate you, or make you feel like you are, like, A weirdo you know for for just being who you are and that really affected me and my perception of myself for a long time because I'm just like yo like what the hell like I'm just I'm just doing me you know so because of that I'm like when it comes to me working with anyone I never want them to feel like because they may step into the room and they may look different than me they may want to play a different song or different type of music on set I don't want to ever make them feel like uh like what are you doing because mm. that's a shitty feeling it really is a shitty feeling it's almost like a setup you know and it's it just just relates back to just everyone just being humans and just respecting everyone's individual and um that's where a lot of that stemmed from and I'm like you know what if I am going to be I have this talent or this gift or whatever to capture someone the last thing that I that I can do is be judgmental and it limits you like you you limit yourself from who you get to meet, from stories you get to hear, experiences that someone else may have, and your just perception on life in general. Like, and that's what like I mean with like me having different friends from like many different backgrounds because it's taught me a lot. It taught me things about myself too. You know, mm-hmm. to be open minded to to just people and like their experience and just sometimes just listening and just hearing them out rather than just bringing in my thought and just be like yo it should be like this. Um. Yeah, that's.
0: I, th- I think that's an important question to this conversation about aspiration and brand because we can be unconscious about how much of what we think we should be or what we're um, think is an option for us is shaped by you know pressures of like you know either feeling rejected or not wanting to feel rejected or like you know just being told you can't be this, you can't be that. That's that's for them, not for us. That's for you, not for. you know know what i mean it's
2: great that now we're in a time where we're way more acceptable to a lot more things and to respecting people's just individualism and just them being themselves but like 10 years ago it wasn't that just wasn't my experience it wasn't like that it was just very squared and like you know like now we now we're even like having like talks around like the topic of like masculinity and like all that stuff and like what that looks like and stuff but you bring that up 10 years from now, people going to look at you sideways, like, well, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, like, get out of here. And but it's a real thing. It's a, it's a true thing. And it's 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 just what it is. So like, it's great that like the society is becoming more progressive. And with that, it's um. like, I love it because like for the generations to come is like, you, it's only going to elevate like what everything is going to be, you know, like the stuff that people create the the ideas that people want to explore. Like, we're not just going to be so one-dimensional. And like, you know what, Kareem? You should be playing basketball. And like, you know, like, your aspiration should be just to be in the NBA, because that's what everyone around you necessarily wants to do. Like, wants to do, or you should be a rapper. You know, like, hate to generalize, but that's just, that's just what I grew up around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. Like, yeah, that's powerful. Um, I wanted to segue at this point into this question around aspiration, and I think like hearing from each of you about what that word means to you is where I wanted to start with it. So, Glory, did you want to start with that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think. It's funny, because I think aspiration, when we paint it like in a traditional way of what you aspire to, obviously, is really, really positive. But for some reason, when you said that word initially, when we were having that conversation, I kind of went to a little bit more of a darker place, where I felt like aspiration almost felt like unattainable. Or like I think oftentimes, when you work with brands or you work with, you know, different clients or whatever it is, Um, people use the term aspirational as in like almost inaccessible or like this is something that we should all like gear as our consumers should gear to want to eventually have or maybe it's out of reach or whatever that is. Um, So I think my mind kind of went to that place Mm -hmm. from almost like a marketer standpoint of feeling like I don't want to design something that's aspirational necessarily that people can't. Have and create mm-hmm. as their own experience. I, um, I, I feel like that kind of takes that tone sometimes too. So from an individual level, I think we have our aspirations, mm. um, and things that we want to reach towards. But um, I think oftentimes, like we, it's the Instagram culture too. It's that aspirational lifestyle imagery of someone in Bali living in a villa or whatever it is, and feeling like that's supposed to be the goal of what we're supposed to aspire to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I appreciate that side of it, because it is a word most times you assume is positive, right? But it can also be, like, just out of reach, you know? Like, giving you enough FOMO to want to go buy something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For both of you, Talia, you wanted to... Uh,
3: My aspirations are really fluid. I, I, I try to kind of, again, stick to the idea of being, you know displaying integrity while being productive and growing at a constant rate. Um, But I've learned that, and this is something I've learned over time, it's not something I've always been able to do, but I've learned that there's a lot of power in being fluid, there's a lot of power in being open to different results and, you know, what the great things are that can come out of them. So I can't name my aspiration beyond the fact that, like, I don't want to live, you know, I guess what people would from what the way I grew up, the way I was expected to live. I don't want to do that. I want to grow. I want to be expansive and I want to try new things all the time. And I guess my the one thing I would say that's really aspirational is that I'm like I want to always be growing financially mm-hmm. because realistically that's something I need to do to survive and you know as life changes and take I have to take on new responsibilities, but um, I'm really, really fluid in it, and I really encourage people to be really fluid in it and be open, um, because if you have tunnel vision about your aspiration and your goals and your accomplishments, a lot of the time you end up missing the magic that is actually happening on the journey and where you're actually starting to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Kadeem, did you have anything about aspiration? What does that word mean to you? Like, how does what does that conjure?
2: Um, aspiration, it's what I what I aspire to be um, is myself it's just like just uh, connecting with people a lot of what tally was saying I would say I I can piggyback off of um, it's not something that obviously I yeah, you aspire. you wanna you want to live a great life you want to be able or I want to live a great life I want to be able to affect the people around me in a positive way I want to be able to be continuously learning um, um, yeah like just that's
0: Remember, I remember, you said to me that you know you, you wanted to be like one of the people that when you talk about a photographer oh, in Toronto, it's like yeah. this is like one of the you know greatest photographers in Toronto. This is a person that if you want to work with someone from the city, this is who you should work with, and um, absolutely. So yeah, from the photographer standpoint, yeah, absolutely. I want to be, I definitely
2: want to be involved in those conversations because I consider myself as a part of like. Toronto creative history like I am like all of us are if we're doing something in it um and because I'm here like you know Mm -hmm. I'm here I'm I'm, um actively working I'm working with other people who also are creating history as well and this is going to be something that is going to influence and um you know like for the next generation like it's going to be something where it's going to give them hope to be like yo we can do that because we had so-and-so that was able to do this like even like a lot of times, even when I look at like some of my fa- favorite photographers, um, I find that I'm seeing like a lot of the talk is of people from outside of the city, mm-hmm. uh, maybe New York, uh, Paris, wherever. And I want that for here as well. And we have it here. We have so many like amazing, wicked people, creative people that are doing stuff here. and. Yeah, I want to be, I would love to be a part of that conversation. I feel like I deserve to be a part of that conversation.
0: And yeah, that's definitely one of my aspirations. Um, and, and you have a lot of positivity around that. But I know you were saying there was a period of time where it's like you had that same aspiration, but you felt like a lot of kind of resentment and bitterness because it's like you, you felt you, left out. You didn't feel yeah, like you are getting that recognition.
2: Absolutely. and. I don't know I wonder if like Instagram has something to do with that but um probably because it's like that instant gratification system and it kind of becomes like you are only as important as how many likes you have on a photo or whatever the case may be it just seems and yeah like um definitely like in moments of feeling like left out rejection and stuff you you sometimes it can leave a bitter taste in your mouth and you can kind of just be like yo like why why not like you may see like i may see like even right now like you even um hitting me up to do this panel talk you know like i appreciate it because no one's ever asked like what yo kaneem what do you what do you think Mm -hmm. about so and so or or whatever you know and i'm like why not like i've i've been here i've had experiences and i know a lot of it sometimes it's just like because of look and it may be you know what because um if i'm not rubbing shoulders with certain people then i don't get the invite and a lot of that would leave me resentful. Come like, why? Why the hell not? Like, why do I have to do that? Like, why should that be? Why should that be the, the um, the like.
1: The Measure, way for right? me, like, the, yeah. yeah,
2: for to to get into the door. Like, this should speak for itself. And a lot of it, a lot of that, it did it did leave me um a little bitter, a little resentful. Uh, I may have went on Twitter a few times, <laughs> put out some rants. But how did how did you
0: get past that? Because I think a lot of people like. I, 100%. If, if Drake raps about feeling, like, overlooked and left out and uninvited to the party, like, as, as much platform as he has, right, like, then just, any of us, I'm sure we all deal with that, right? Like, I feel like
2: I just had to just think about what it, like, why am I doing this again? Like, sometimes you have to remind yourself because you can lose sight and lose focus of what, like, I've lost sight and focus many times of why it was that I picked up the camera. And because you have so many things that maybe influencing you or things that's being force-fed to you, and you just gotta, like, what I had to do was just sit down, relax, um, read some books. I read a book called, by Ryan Holiday called Ego is the Enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped me a lot. I know a lot of it was ego-driven, and a lot of it was my ego that was hurt. And I decided to be like, yo, can you be humble? like, relax, relax your skin. And feel like where 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 is this coming from? And be like, yo, is this from coming from childhood? Is this coming from me feeling like that's always kind of like you always had to fight or st- like you know just to get your 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 voice heard? And it's just just taking that time of myself and getting to know myself and figure out my triggers and what it was that made me feel that way.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I, re- I related a lot to that story. I remember having this moment where feeling that that overlooked and you know different ways and. Um, this tension of that, like, that I just being able to claim I deserve the best, but also nobody on this earth owes me a thing. Like, holding both of those ideas and not, like, one, just one or the other. And when you were talking about that, of, like, wanting to, having this aspiration of, like, really wanting to be a part of creative history in Toronto, but also, like, you know, accepting that, like, not everyone is going to see that right here and, and right now. I'm not going to be bitter about that either and compare. Um, I think one of the things about aspiration and, and for this topic that was really interesting to me was the fact that like, I think it's harder to know what you want to accomplish than it is to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Um, and so, like, when you really know this is the thing I want to go for, I think a lot of us get more stuck in like, I want this, or I don't really know I want this thing too. But when you absolutely know, um, and in order for your brand to be aligned with your aspiration, you have to know what you are aspiring to. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tally, you said something to me that like made me smile so broadly, which was like. You're like, yeah, I'm, right now I'm living in what my five-year plan was five years ago. And you, know, you have a vision of you know, your next kind of five years. Can you share a little bit about how, what kind of process you go through, and how do you get to those, that level of clarity? And, and why do you take the time to, to really be able to articulate that and reflect that? to Say, you know, a lot of us, do, like I don't even remember what I was doing five years ago.
3: Um I think somewhere along the way, I decided to prioritize happiness and it's i it's funny we're talking a lot about personal brands um and you know and and what our personal brands can do, but I also think that it's echoed when we're talking about more like consumer brands as well um, and that is that you kind of you kind of need to know where you want to go and i I wouldn't even. I remember saying that to you and thinking about it after, and I was like, "Oh, that was actually." I want to kind of reiterate that it wasn't necessarily that I set a five-year goal to be here. I just knew that five years ago, I needed to change my life drastically um, and get to this place. So, when even if you're trying to sell a product or whatever you're doing, you're still looking ahead and you're going, "Okay, what are all the puzzle pieces that need to come in to make this all come together?" For myself, like personally, um, and just in my own development and where my life was going to be when I. Looked at myself probably six, seven years ago, and I, you know, kind of l- pretended to be on the outside looking in. Nothing was what it was supposed to be personally professionally um, like location- wise I was in the wrong place everything was wrong so it just really kind of came from this moment of desperation and needing to shift my existence um, and that's not really that different from if you're launching a business or you know you're trying to get into a new profession or whatever you' you step outside and you look in and you go what do I need to do what do I need to change radically how do I need to amplify what I'm saying and doing and you just do it and you run with it Um, So for me now, where I'm sitting, I am really happy because I took that time to go, okay, I didn't like the relationship I was in. I didn't like the city I was in. I didn't feel inspired by my surroundings. I didn't feel like like a lot of the people that I was keeping around me were necessarily boosting my existence. And it's not their responsibility to make me happy. I just want to clarify that. But I knew I wasn't necessarily growing alongside the people I was with. I needed to be on a different vibration. I knew it would take time. And I think about six months ago, I was sitting at home and I just sort of like looked around and I was like, oh, wait a second. I totally did exactly what I wanted to do. I just didn't notice that I was doing it. So that's that's where that came from, and and that also speaks to what I was saying earlier. Is like aspiration has to be fluid. You can't have this one idea set in your mind, like my brand's gonna blow up and Beyonce's gonna talk about it. Like it's no, it's gonna it's gonna be great, but it might not be exactly that one thing, and it may the path may not be exactly what you thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But start assembling the pieces and amplifying it.
0: I, l- I like that clarification because I think sometimes. There's that pressure to have that clarity, and I and I really actually thought you had like when you said that like this map of like no this, 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 this. but it's it's <laughs> no. like more I, along the lines of like I'm not happy with where I'm l- living. Yes. I want to live in a place that's yeah. you know different from here. I want to uh, the people around me, like you said, they're not responsible for making you happy. But you you knew you wanted to be connected yes. to people that like inspired you.
3: Yes, definitely, um, definitely.
0: Yeah, that. That's and I
3: did know. I did know that when I hit my like, when I was coming up on my mid thirties, I did know that I would kind of want to be in this kind of place where I was, you know, directing things, not so, and you know, able to speak to experience and able to, you know, successfully launch something, able to successfully participate in a romantic relationship. So all those things had to be cultivated.
0: Was it more little steps or big jumps?
3: A, a, a mix. Yeah. All kinds of things, all kinds of crazy ideas. (laughs) Some bad decisions too, so if I'm being honest, yeah.
0: Learning experiences, right? I think that's one of the things too, like those those, um, bad decisions, if reflection is built into your process, can be valuable, right?
3: Definitely, definitely. And forgiving yourself. The same way, like if you lose money, and you know you look at your fiscal year, and you like a company looks at their losses, their profits, and their losses, and they go, okay, well that was a loss, so next year this is going to be different, you know, and that can sometimes that's millions of dollars. So look at yourself in the same light and go, okay, like if a big corporation can forgive themselves for like dropping ten million dollars, I can forgive myself for like X, Y, and Z, and like just be aligned in your thinking and look at yourself, like allow yourself to be human.
0: Yeah, i think we all need a little bit of that like forgiving ourselves we're often like the hardest on ourselves like yes exponentially more than yes anyone else yeah. for the most part unless you have like somebody super mean-spirited around you but for the most part we're Not harder me. than ourselves Not um me. gloria one of your stories that i found really interesting was like you know you were in a lot of ways really like in that life that a lot of people look at right like you're on these press trips and different parts of the world, and being gifted these like great products all the time, and um, at these events that just, you know, are, everything's taken care of, everything's really extraordinary, and designed to make you feel like you're really special. And I remember you sharing this little element of, like, desiring to make something real, and to your point about products, like Flight Pack is something that you're physically making and putting out into the world. Can you talk about how spending so much time in that digital space or that space that's designed to be presented digitally um, really fueled that desire to make something physical?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, well, it, kind of that similar experience of feeling like you're living inside of what your dream is supposed to be. It's like, oh, okay, on paper, all of these things are working. You know, I'm living in another city, or I have this cool job, or I'm like living in an apartment that I think is really cool on paper. And I think I realized, like, I spent so much time storytelling a lot of that that I wasn't actually like creating something. And I think one of the processes for me to kind of get out of that was just taking everything away and really trying to be minimal. So like for example, I moved four times in two years and was like accumulating all this shit and just felt like, you know what, I don't want to assemble another piece of furniture. Like I don't want to, you know, go to IKEA again. I want to do all these things what does it take to actually like introduce something into someone's life like why do you choose to wear these shoes or you know why did i put on this watch today and like what is it that is the idea that when i saw something i connected with it and and i think we we need to also not really be as engaged in like more is more you know not really having to constantly consume and being more mindful of what we are consuming cuz you start to remove a lot of the value of like Going on these trips or being thrown all these products or things like that. I don't want to feel like I'm dismissive. Like someone put the time into creating this thing or this image or whatever it is. Um, And I wanted to be the person that kind of learned how to do that eventually, too. So it's this whole journey of like, I think over two years figuring out okay, you know, I want to help people travel. I want people to feel comfortable and empowered to go and see the world. what does that look like? Like, what are the pain points? Like, what can I make that could actually contribute to that? And that's kind of where this flight pack idea came out of. Was, how do I help people that are minimal in thinking, um, or like really like minimal lifestyle, and empower them to feel like they have comfort and can feel like themselves anywhere they go in the world? Um, and that's been a whole process of figuring out, like, you know, what what I feel is minimal and what I feel is really helpful might not be the same as for you guys. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's like how do I rip out all of these different roots that I have and kind of be willing to rebuild and not feeling like like I think it's great to accept and and feel like really satisfied with everything that you built but how do I do that again and how do I do it bigger and how do I do it more me?
0: Yeah, I like that cuz I think that um one of the things that's really hard is is that step, right? It's like you said pulling roots out and then Starting new and trying this thing and, and having this idea that you don't fully know how it's going to land, but being willing to um, execute that. And what's interesting for me is that earlier in this conversation, when you're talking about your values, right, like part of the, those values was, is expressed, actually manifested in this thing, you know, the, that minimalism and Getting to what's essential and kind of stripping some of those things away being a value that you express and communicate in your brand, but it's also like now there's this um, product you've made that holds those values, um, and I think like that's such an accomplishment. And I mean, anyone in this room that's making something that if if those values that you really believe in can be expressed and experienced in that thing you're making, like whether or not it sells like you know a hundred of them or a million of them, that's that's a success mm-hmm. um, I wanted to open up um questions to the audience. I have one more question for the panel, and then um we don't have a mic to pass around, but you know it's it's a decent sized room and if um you know i'll I'll take everyone's questions um that wants to jump in but the the last question um I have to each of you is which is probably the feeling for a lot of people is to the person who feels like their personal brand or the brand of what they're making, the brand of their agency, company, um, product, collective, whatever it is, um, that they feel like it's not representative right now of who they are or it's not representative of what their actual aspiration is. What's some advice you have to, to the person in that place? Anyone want to jump in?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I think it's about iterating. I think it's about like knowing that it's a process. And it's kind of funny. So I, for example, with the product, I gave it to industrial designers. And you think like, oh, I'm not an industrial designer. They'll know. And I had a slew of all this feedback. But it was interesting because they were saying, if you even if you correct all these things, you might create new things that need to be addressed. So it's really about. Being willing to have that like beginning, middle, end, and pacing yourself, and not rushing into thinking it's like it's got to look this way or it's got to feel this way or it has to affect all these different people, it's just about iterating.
0: Yeah, that's that's helpful because some people are like, yo, I'm gonna delete my whole timeline, revamp like website under construction right now, um, but taking it slow and like iterating is a beautiful thing. Um, Kadeem, what do you think?
2: yeah definitely taking it slow uh if you feel like your brand is not reflective of who you are where it is that you want to go i would say just take time to yourself and address that what is it that's keeping you from reaching to that next level Mm -hmm. and um with me one of the things that i felt like was holding me back like an example would be um learning how to edit photos better Mm -hmm. so something like that like take um learn from someone look at a youtube tutorial or take a course um just address whatever the issue is or whatever you feel like the setback is that's keeping you from getting to the next level honestly and uh just tackle it and and tackle it with confidence and knowing that you know what if i put in the work i will may not i may not get exactly where it is that i want to go but i'm going to be closer Mm -hmm. than than where i
0: was yesterday yeah yeah um yeah just don't 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 stop just don't stop Mm -hmm. yeah i was actually speaking with someone earlier about the like how you deal with disappointments and you know just wanting that breakthrough and one of the revelations i had is that if you want that breakthrough one thing you can know for certain is a breakthrough doesn't happen by giving up Mm -hmm. you know like as much as you might feel like uh, you know another wall another no another closed door another disappointment another flop like you want that breakthrough mm-hmm. stopping is not gonna get you that breakthrough mm-hmm. um, Talia what about you for to the advice of somebody who feels like what they're trying to communicate to the world is not um, you know currently what their brand looks mm-hmm. like and feels like
3: it's not um, I don't I think a lot of the time we think there's only one or two ways to do things I think so much of what a lot of the times like people and product, you know, people who push products are forgetting is that it's there is no one size fits all. It actually needs to be authentic. It actually needs to be true to you. So, you're actually the only one who has those answers. So, as much as you're doing research and comparative research and thinking about how it's going to land in the landscape, you also have to just sit back and sort of like take it for what it is, but keep developing it personally, and, you know, you see, you see companies do it all the time, you know, we're, we're growing or we're changing or we hear you, like, you'll see that brand voice, it's like, we hear you and we're going to make the changes, and, well, and that is, you know, repos- brand repositioning. That's part of their structure shifting. So, doing it's like that. Fast
0: food chains offering all kinds of healthy options now.
3: Exactly. Or even like a great example, like, like I really thought that from a branding standpoint, and this is something that is very arguable, but just for an example's sake, I thought Starbucks did a good job of repositioning and pivoting in that really bad moment where it was like you. And you know, they have a long way to go. There's always going to be changes, but they took that moment. They heard it. There was no blueprint for how to fix that, because no one, to my knowledge, had successfully acknowledged. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, When the, the racism? The racism. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. <laughs> Generally, the reason some Starbucks yeah fixed police it. removing yeah. customers. from... <laughs> sorry, I didn't provide context, but um, look it up if you get a chance. But they, I hadn't seen a brand pivot effectively in a moment like that. I'd always seen the frickin' like iOS press release or the you know we're sorry that you took it that way or blah blah blah. And
0: isn't that the worst apology? Like I'm sorry <laughs> if you were offended or I'm sorry to. Everyone it's not an apology. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's not an acknowledgement. But you know. I thought they took that moment and they knew there was a problem they I don't remember the exact the way the events played out but they did end up having to apologize and then they took it one step further and they were like we'll do some training they have more steps to take yeah. but it was a good moment and it was very obvious that it was happening and you can do that as a person too so again that was that was them inventing a solution that hadn't really been attacked before so do that for yourself do you know if you have a hard moment you get people get You know, there's right now we're in call out culture online. You say some shit, you're going to hear about it. So what do you do in that moment? Not an iOS press release, please. (laughs) But you know, like just like take that moment, harness the opportunity to learn, harness the opportunity to grow. If you need to take a break from social media to do so, it's not a bad idea. Again, you need to just look at it as your own personal solution. There is no one answer for it.
0: Amazing. Um, Do we have any questions? about brand, about aspiration? Anything you want clarity on? Um, some great minds up here. No, no. Go ahead. The,
3: the common thread is always authenticity is their own, where you guys weren't authentic, that you regret, or that you could talk
1: about?
0: So just if you're in the back, like um, any moments where any, one of our panel were not authentic and, and can talk about it and, and maybe regret that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah, for
2: sure. Um, I'm just trying to think of the actual moment. Um, there's been many. There's actually along the way there's many moments when you're not authentic and it can be in you holding it could be me holding something back, not saying how I feel about something or doing something for moments where I may have found myself being inauthentic would be something like Instagram. Like uh you can like i find that um there's in you how do i how do i say this it's kind of like the 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 like the like the you know like when it's um <laughs> <laughs> sorry this is sometimes God, sometimes you. when i when i'm speaking like things jumble up in my head and i'm trying to find the words of it but i'm going to get there it's, it's um you may know what the people that you actually, the people that follow you may wanna see as an example and you may do more of that as opposed to what you wanna do just for the sake of the like or just for the sake of what you know may come with it, like the extra follows. And it may be something that you I, I wasn't super passionate about, but I knew uh what the what the turnaround would be. Um, there's been moments like that, um where I, I've definitely looked at myself and like, yeah, like you don't have to do that. That's been inauthentic. Um Yeah, I would, uh, I don't know, I'll pass it to one of you guys I'll think of. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I can think of like a specific moment. I definitely feel like there's like a huge chain of threads. Like I think you have to kind of go through those moments to actually learn what, because I think it's a communication tool to understand how do I communicate authentically or what do I communicate to actually seem more me. Um, and I think I would say, though, in those moments where I was inauthentic but didn't know it, those like that disparity between, okay, I'm living this like great life of making this money and, you know, capturing it all on photos mm. that were heavily edited or whatever it is, um, and the moments of like how I actually felt, the greater that disparity was, the more mm. unhappy I definitely was. And I think it's even scarier because you don't even know why you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, and also I think the app Facetune is a really like terrible way to go about editing photos. I think a lot of people use that as a mechanism to like hide who they actually are. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I think times where I felt overly polished or there was that big gap, and I was like kind of being inauthentic by not omitting it or not by omitting it and not actually sharing. I think that's when I was the unhappiest. Mm. Mm.
3: I definitely had a moment, uh, a a brief moment of it, like probably when I was maybe five, six years ago, when I was starting out in the fashion industry. And um, you know, fashion is an incredible industry, but there's also a level of superficiality and you know, poise that you may not have that you have to possess. And there's body politics and all kinds of things around it. Um, It's not; it doesn't come without its criticisms. For me, I was working as an editor, and a lot of the editors around me. could afford to be editors because there really, actually, is at the time there wasn't a ton of money for you know people in publications. Um, but I was, to be honest, I was surrounded by a lot of trust fund kids who could you know kind of embrace that lifestyle and embrace the look and embrace the shopping habits and all that stuff. And I definitely couldn't. And instead of harnessing that moment right away, eventually I did it. But right away, I sort of just tried to match myself to them in the best ways that I could, you know, to the best of my ability, but where I actually found my power was tapping into my resourcefulness later on um, and reminding people how real I was and where I could I was actually coming from and you know where my clothes were actually being purchased from and you know that that kind of thing. So I think it's and that's where I learned that lesson that like, yeah, do your research, but that comparison and things like that, it's it's not their formula wasn't going to work for me ever. It was never who I was going to be and it was inauthentic to try and you know exist in a similar fashion.
0: I think that question about authenticity is an interesting one um, because like I also think about for example there's like a lot of if you, my my thoughts on politics or, like, what's happening are constant. Like, I'll talk to the radio every morning. I'm listening to the radio getting breakfast ready, and I'm, like, in conversation you know, with, I talk to the news, like, you know, and I don't post all of that um, all the time or very often at all, because it's like, while that's how I feel about it. That's not the, I'm not trying to have that conversation publicly, mm-hmm. you know, or, like, a strange thing that happens a lot where I've literally had multiple, I would say maybe 20, 30 people th- in 2018 alone say to me, "I would a- like I'm not making this up. I would ask you how you're doing, but I already know you're doing great, you know." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Cause they're seeing like the posts, like the highlight reel." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "That's the most unreliable source of information on anybody, like, obviously." And and um, you know, I'm not like that. T- you know, those times where I'm waking up at 2 a.m. not Knowing if I made some of the right decisions or how things are gonna work out, like I'm not like posting that, you know what I mean, or like some of the things that haven't come through yet. I don't like I pitch an article, I share the one that got published. I don't share the one that like didn't get published because there's nothing to share. But um, you know, and and I think the other thing that's really interesting for me I, is there was a talk we I did with Neil Watson, who's a photographer who talks about going bankrupt multiple times and in pursuit of you know the work he's doing. Now he's signed to an agency, which is a very difficult position to get to as a photographer. But he wasn't going to share his bankruptcy in the middle of his bankruptcy. He's at a point now where he's comfortable saying, I went through that multiple times. It was a super low, heavy place. This is how I got back from it. So it's like, I don't know what you guys think about that element of authenticity of like, Yeah, there's you. You don't want to be like sharing moments that are not real, or like posting what you think people want to see, but you also like don't need to tell everybody everything that's happening in your life right now. And not everything you think needs to be shared, and not everything that's happening has to be um, shared in this current moment. You know?
2: I don't think I don't think everything needs to be shared in the current moment when it's happening because you're still going through it, especially when you're still going through it. It's like, it's a, it can be a very um, touchy time depending on whatever it is. And if you just put that out in the universe, the feedback may affect you left. It may, it, you never know where you may end. I think mm-hmm. if once you get to a point where you feel like you have a grip on the situation, if the lesson that you may learn is something you can share and it can be something that may help someone else, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I don't think you have to share something in the moment, like if you're like bankrupt or whatever. Like, it's it's for what you know, unless
0: you found a solution, you're just kind of just putting on. have like a GoFundMe campaign, that would be a good time yeah, to share works. your bankrupt. Yeah, you
3: can do that. Yeah, yeah. I, do it that. just depends on what works yeah. for you in that moment and yeah. you know what uh, the people around you're going to connect with.
0: Yeah, I, I just think that that word authenticity is such a spectrum, right? It's like it's. It's like we used to have that these conversations like 90s hip hop like keep it real, you know, and what does that mean, and it means so many different things, and I think similarly there's these conversations the word authenticity comes up, and it's like, and thank you for introducing that word like in this conversation because it me- can mean so many things um, to so many people. Are there any other questions before we wrap up? Here okay, we got one there, one there
1: so sorry so just so i can understand so how do i balance fulfillment versus impact yeah Yeah. Um, i think i don't know i think they're really tied i think but i even for myself when i talk about stripping down everything again and being willing to start over again i think i i'm really even for myself trying to look for fulfillment first because i realized like a year ago i didn't have any hobbies at all like I didn't do anything at all that I wasn't trying to do just to, you know, have income or whatever it was. So, even if it was like distracting myself and taking a cooking class or whatever it was. Like how do I get back to the baseline of do I actually really enjoy this? And if I don't, cuz if you don't really enjoy something, then how are you going to propel yourself through all those times of, you know, when you have to keep going and you have to push yourself to keep going cuz hopefully eventually you get impact through scale and sales or, you know, message that's being distributed to lots of different people. But um I think it has to kind of spark from fulfillment mm-hmm. and it has to be something that you actually really like or love or yeah. like and then love. <laughs> I, agree. I,
3: agree. I agree. I don't think
1: you can be impactful unless you are fulfilled.
0: And it, it definitely fleeting. It's like that one hit wonder kind of thing. Like it can have impact. I remember um I won't say the names, but I was interviewing an artist that was definitely a one hit wonder and he knew it. And um it was just like such an interesting thing where it's like he was not fulfilled by the music he was making he was very conscious like putting that music out in order to get resources to invest into other things but knew that like at that at that time that artist was the song was everywhere name was everywhere like on you know award shows everything you can imagine but that person is not in music anymore and it's because they i think they weren't doing something that was really fulfilling them it was like it had impact briefly you know think that's like the longevity and impact is definitely connected to fulfillment um, which takes longer to get to right um, there's a question back there
3: My I keep my solid, like the stuff that happens in solitude for me, I consider like it's solitude for a reason. There's a lot of things that I would never, honestly never put on social media, um, especially things that tie into spirituality or, you know, my romantic life or whatever it is. Those are all, or even just my time that I'm spending with myself traveling. Um, I'll, I'll balance it out. You know, like you said, you know, being naked on a desert island, which I love the idea of, you Maybe you're sharing a photo of your surroundings, but you're not necessarily talking about every, you know, what you're processing emotionally or what you're creating in that moment or what's going on around you or internally. You don't, like, draw, create your boundaries around the experience, what you do and don't want people to know, and let that inform your next steps. So your answer
1: is about
3: privacy? Definitely, and, and defining those boundaries really early on. Cool.
0: Any other thoughts on that? Um, I think
2: things you do in solitude, I would say, it like, I, w- I guess I would ask you, like, why would you want to, sh- like, what, like, why would you want to share what you're doing in solitude? Like, like, that would be the first thing, I think, like, mm-hmm. why, like, what's my reason for sharing this? And that's going to pretty much determine if I do share it. Um, most things I do in solitude, if I'm sharing it, I'm... Sharing it to see if anyone else does that too, and um, just to yeah, just to see, am I alone in doing this, or does someone else do it too? Just for the just for the basis of connecting, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, um, yeah, that that would be my main. That'll just be the main question I ask. And that's gonna determine whatever I do in solitude if I'm gonna share it or not. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but
0: well it's so what one of the things i've seen people share is their photo editing process Uh, and so like they'll be you know doing videos or insta stories and it's like that's something you do alone and it's like really hard not to do alone but that's that's an interesting thing in terms of like you're saying a lot of what you make is made in solitude and you might not be able to like you might not want to like do ig live of you meditating but like maybe that process that after that meditation of like, you know, showing some people your process. Cause I feel like I've really enjoyed actually seeing, you know, kind of the demystifying that happens when someone's like, oh, this is the filter I use. And this is how I approach this. And this is my shortcut um, where it's something that like normally would just be d- done alone. I think there there are some, some interesting ways to do that that I've seen.
1: I think the flip side for me is like, I used to think that when I met new people, I had to do this like laundry list of like, these are all the things that I've done in my life. But um, I actually feel like I have to trust that people can evaluate the type of person I am and maybe uncover a lot of that later on Mm -hmm. from the individual work that I've done. So like, maybe you wouldn't know that I did any of these things and that's totally okay because maybe those things made me who I am. And I have to trust that like people will eventually find out and I don't need to prove that to anyone or anything, so.
0: Yeah, I learned a lot about Kadim from Talia's bio of him. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know any of that. I just liked his eye. Um, we had a, a photo, or sorry, a question over there.
1: Yeah, so I think, like, I always try to tell people I am a cat, even though I don't know if I'm a cat person, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, being privileged enough to feel like, oh, I've got a chance to live all these different lives. And I think you always have to have that dip, though. Like, um, I think, so for example, when I was living away and I had kind of like a structure of a life and I was working at the time in like a music influenced culture, but I actually worked in alcohol. So, I think when I woke up every day realizing that I'm selling vodka and tequila, which is really great, but and it's a really fun place to work um, in that space because you get to touch a lot of really cool brands. But I think that every day that I woke up realizing I didn't really know how that was like moving the needle for myself as an individual or who I am or like what I can create. Um, I think I they always say like to do this mirror test when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And actually, can you bring up what you were saying earlier before? the panel about the eyes stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that quote. So my son, when he was four, I'm, I'm so interested to see how you're going to connect this, because I'm like, how does that connect, but I'll share it. Um, my son, when he was four, asked me a question. He said, um, how come you can see everyone else's eyes, but you can't see your own? I was like, Yo, I had eyes all my life and never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, like you will never actually, you can see a mirror, you can see a picture, but you will never get to look at the, th- Thing that you're seeing through, it's like wow.
1: So I don't know. The only connection I can think of is like when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're interpreting who you think you're. It's really meta. It's like you looking at yourself, not really knowing if you're really looking at yourself. And I think when I had those moments for too many days in a row, and I don't know if everyone has those, but I think it was like five months into it. I was like, okay, shit needs to change. I need to do something. So I'm gonna just like move out of this apartment, like go and travel the world or something, and um, live really lean and also knowing that like what you're doing right now isn't forever and um like this isn't forever we're gonna leave and you know go get pizza or whatever it is but um yeah it's not forever and being okay with that and running with that and you know i i don't know if i necessarily had a five-year plan i don't know if like i have a murky vision of what i'd like to happen um and being okay with riding the momentum and you know, trying a lot of different things and seeing a lot of dead ends and not having shame with that, and then um, being okay with not really having a plan and just kind of like slowly stumbling through it and trusting the struggle. I always like that, trusting the struggle, because I don't know. I feel like everyone that is able to make it look really smooth is doing something really like that's a gift in making it look smooth. But um, yeah, knowing that there's going to be so many bumps in the way and like really being okay with that and sharing that.
0: Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I know for me, like transitions are awkward. It's like puberty, you know, like in a sense, like things are changing and and you're getting your footing and shifts are happening. And, you know, so like, it's just awkward. Transitions are always awkward and it's being okay with that and and getting a little bit more steady and a little bit more steady. Um, And then like still pushing forward in spite of how awkward you feel. This is hard. I know. Like I've been through a couple of transitions myself, and like the beginning of that transition is hard, 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 hard. Um, we could take the last question if there is. Um, so when you're creating your personal brands, what are you hoping or striving for your legacy to be? Legacy. Mm-hmm.
3: Impact over influence. Um, I think that influence can be fleeting, um, depending on what you're influencing and who you're influencing. Um, but if what you're doing in the moment is also shifting culture, or shifting uh, an industry, or shifting a conversation um, towards some, to, into a place where it needs to go, that's impactful. So as much as I could sit in this moment and be like, I look cool. I have a cool job. I, you know, whatever. I'm wearing the coolest t-shirts. Whatever. What is that? What is that actually impacting? Who am I actually inspiring with that? The things that are going to be impactful are the things that last a little bit longer. And I'm not knocking those things too. I love. There's all kinds of things about superficiality and like influence and that kind of stuff that I really enjoy and I think is really important to the conversation. But impact is it, it. it will withstand change and it will grow and it will snowball into something else. And being able to say you were a part of that, being able to say you led it or you um, advised or consulted on it or whatever it is, to me that's really, really important. And it's kind of what's kept me focused along the way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, what's the legacy that you want to leave in your personal brand?
2: I agree, I uh, that's that's it's that's, that's it, impact, impact over influence, um, who you impact, how you've impacted them, and how that's now translating into them impacting someone else.
0: Like, I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Anything you wanna say, Gloria?
1: I think it's just about helping people see the world, whether it's like physically going and feeling like, oh, okay, I can book a trip and go to London or whatever, I don't know, wherever you wanna go, Or just helping people see the world from a standpoint of like being able to kind of get into each other's minds and understand, you know, our differences are are something that I can take away and really learn from. So I think that's gonna be my mantra for a really, really long time, if not forever.
0: Yeah. And I also really love what you said about like that feeling of having feeling where you had to list everything you've ever done and accomplished and of significance. And I think sometimes in the brand or whatever we're making, sometimes we feel pressured to communicate all that but i think like tr- you know part of that legacy question is is having that longer view that like i don't necessarily have to try to like explain all of that right now but like you'll see it over time there's this great book called Pro- producer to producer and one of the things it says early on is like if you need immediate recognition do not be a producer of any kind because what you don't get the recognition project by project what a producer will have recognition over a longer run when you start to see the body of work. Like, oh, they were on that, 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 that. Oh, I see excellence all through that. You know, I th- see a stream through that. I think, like, that's, that's you talking about, like, not wanting to communicate, or not feeling the need anymore to communicate all of those things, but kind of trust that people will see it, I think is, like, a really um, interesting thing to consider when you're asking the question about legacy. Um, To close, I just wanted like this, you know, when your brand or sorry, when your aspiration is your brand is not something that we were going to answer tonight. Um, I, I would always say to people that it's more important to have the right question than it is to have an answer. And so I think that's the question that we explored tonight. And I really am so grateful to every single person who's here because your presence is a very powerful thing, especially in this age that we're in to choose to. Um, despite warnings of hail and all that, um, and, and just how many things are going on in the world, to be here, to be present for this conversation and to hear from these amazing creatives. Um, I thank you for being here. I thank you for all for being open to being in part of this conversation and to sharing so much of your journey and yourselves in it. Um, and so if we just close with applause for our panel. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find out more about Convene at watervision.com or on Instagram. That's W-A-T-R Vision. Convene is founded and produced by myself, Chris Penrose, through Water Vision Creative. Production, editing, and sound design of this episode is all done by Martin and We are going to keep these conversations going, so we will connect again in the next episode.